2,000 years ago was a time that was just so different to now. That's stating the obvious. But I can't help but imagine, and forgive me for sharing this, but I can't help but imagine what it would have been like if social media and Instagram existed. Can you imagine a hashtag Calvary? I was there. And as we start to think of that, it sounds humorous, and then suddenly we think of what people might have been posting. What video clips might have been shown from Good Friday. And depending on what side you are on, would be depending on how you portrayed it. And would people mocking Christ on the cross have gone viral? It was an absolute spectacle. The death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we think of the whole story, the whole passion, the whole Easter story, we think of Christ. And we should do. But as I was going through it afresh again, and as I was studying and reading and praying, I, I was struck like I haven't been before. There is someone else who's totally and utterly woven in this story of those three days from the beginning to the end, and she's a very unlikely character. Mary the Magdalene has what you call in, in theatrical terms a supporting role. Christ is the main character. And yet, throughout the story, as the story is told, Mary Magdalene is there. And, and, and as I thought, I thought, well, if I'd been writing this story, and thank goodness I wasn't, but if, if you had, you might have been thinking, who do we need to be the supporting act? Who do we need to, to help with the storytelling? And, and maybe you'd have thought that it would be much better to have one of those great disciples there, or leading figure from the time. But no, it's Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is woven into this story. And then the question that comes to my mind is, why is she there? She's there at his death. She's there at his burial. She is there at his resurrection. She is there throughout the whole process. Why is she there? I want to come back to that later. But what I want us to do now is, is just see four things that she saw. So if you want to imagine, if it helps you to imagine, we're going to see this through her Instagram account. Yeah? This may be something of what she would have been posting or tweeting at the time, yeah? If, if that helps. And the, the first thing I want us to see that she saw... She saw Jesus die. And we need to get our heads around this. What had she just witnessed? What had she just seen on that Good Friday? It doesn't make pleasant thinking. And I'm sure that if she had got her phone, she would not have been taking snaps. She wouldn't have been doing video clips. It was too dark. It was too horrendous. Her master 
her saviour, Jesus Christ, her teacher, was stripped naked and is beaten, blood-soaker, bruised and battered body was shown off to the world. She saw the nails being driven in. And there'll be sounds here, wouldn't there? I, I can't imagine that Christ didn't shout out in pain. We don't know if he did or didn't. Scriptures are silent. But I can't imagine someone who is totally human being able just to take that without wincing. And there'd been the thud of the hammer on the metal. And then there would have been the, the groaning and the grunting of the Roman soldiers as they lifted Christ up and hung him on his cross. And while they were waiting, wiping the sweat off their brows and, and, and glancing up at the work that they'd just done, she saw them gambling over his clothes. And if that wasn't disgraceful and shocking and shaming enough, the passerbys came by and they were looking up at the cross and there was the three crosses there, but they singled out the middle one. And she heard them laughing at her Saviour. She heard them saying, he saved others himself, he cannot save. And probably in her heart of hearts, she was wishing, why couldn't he come down off that cross? And the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and the religious got in on the act. And they too were mocking Jesus, the Son of God. She would have seen him there with the excruciating pain across his face that marred it so much that you couldn't recognize who he was. Each breath was difficult. And there on the left and the right were others being crucified. Rightly so, in that sense of the justice of the day. And they too were mocking. And just when she thought things could not get worse, a darkness fell across the land. And it was probably before this darkness, or sometime in this, Mary saw the look in Jesus' mother's eyes. When Jesus instructed John to take care of her, she saw and looked on. Jesus' mother, seeing her son die. And then in the midst of that darkness, as if God couldn't look on or didn't want people to watch. It was that cry of abandonment for Christ. When the Son of God cried out, My God, 
My God, why have you forsaken me? And there's probably a deathly hush around what would have been a busy scene. And Jesus cried and gave up his spirit and died. And Mary Magdalene was there. And she saw it. And she felt it. And she heard it. There's no words to tweet that, is there? It's not a a spectacle that you could put onto Instagram. But it's real. And she saw it. And she was there. I don't know if you've had the misfortune of Providence to have seen somebody die. But even when someone dies in comfortable circumstances, it's shocking. I know that some of you have witnessed road traffic accidents that have ended in fatality, and I know that has shaken you. But there she was, and there she saw Jesus crucified. Secondly, she saw Jesus laid in the tomb. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but maybe you've been watching a film. And and the film has just got you. You've been gripped. You've been sat on the edge of your seat at the cinema or the edge of your seat in in your home. And you've been watching that film and and it's just took you into it. And and, and then the film ends and, and and the title rolls, screams, scrolls by to the theme music and you're still sat there looking at the screen captivated by what's going on and and, and then it all sort of finishes and the music stops and you're just sat there because you've just been so taken up in the moment and you almost feel exhausted by the whole thing I don't know if you've experienced that but that's a bit like what I've seen for Mary that there she was And she'd seen and experienced the death of Christ and she'd seen it all. And she was on the edge of her seat, as it were, and all her emotions and all her energy and everything was drained from her. And and for Mary Magdalene to see where Jesus was buried means that she stayed on beyond the end. She had to, to see this. She didn't just see Jesus die and say, well, that's a pity and go home. She stayed there. I I can only imagine that she was broken. If you go through a a traumatic experience, the the shock is just so great. You don't know what to, to do with yourself. You just feel bereft of breath almost. You don't know what to do. She had given up her home life in, in Galilee to, to, to follow and minister to Jesus and the disciples' needs. She'd given from her own personal need means to take care of him. And now there is a body hanging limp on the cross. And the soldier just casually flicks a spear into his side to make sure he's dead. 
she wouldn't have had the courage, she wouldn't have seen, sorry, the courage of Joseph, of Arimathea, to go to Pilate. But he did. Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate. She didn't see this because she was waiting by the cross. She was there by the cross. She was in shock and in disbelief. And maybe she was just stood there hoping that she would wake up. When my friend died on the mountain and his wife was explaining what happened at her end afterwards, she said she would just, she was just sat in her house for several days just waiting to wake up, hoping that it was just a bad dream in a daze. And I can see Mary there just in that daze and, and, and she was just hoping that it was not real and hoping that she would wake up. But at that moment, there's a parallel passage tells us Joseph was a secret believer. He hadn't made his faith open and and he tells us that he didn't speak out, he spoke out, he didn't consent to Jesus' execution. But here he is, openly associating with Jesus. He puts his neck on his line, he uses his influence, his position to go to Pilate. And as he goes to Pilate, he asks to have the body. And suddenly, in the light of Jesus' death, when everything gets dark and bleak, this man is brave. How does that happen? Was what God does for people in dark situations. And he enabled Joseph of Arimathea and his accomplice Nicodemus, who were both religious men, to, to come along and do this. And both of these men were willing to become ceremonially unclean. You shouldn't touch a dead body in Jewish religion and you mustn't touch a, Jew, a dead body around the Passover time. You wouldn't be allowed to, to celebrate it. You wouldn't be allowed to be involved in it. You'd be unclean. But both these men put that to one side. It wasn't important to them. They wanted to honour and show their last respects. And so we just see here a glimpse of when God works. God works and he changes and helps man. And then Mary, she wouldn't have seen the compassion of Pilate. And you may think, well, that's a bit strange. How did Pilate show any compassion at all? But he did. You see, a criminal, when they were crucified, they were not buried. They were just thrown outside the city and left to rot. It was not. They were not looked after. They were not cared for in that sense. And so it was unusual. It was totally strange for a, for a crucified body to be buried and in some strange fate, as one might say, but we know that it had God's hand on it. Maybe Pilate felt guilty for what he'd done. We don't know, but we know that the Lord was in it. He gave the permission for Nicodemus and Joseph to take the body down. She didn't see that. She didn't know that that was going on. But what she did see was the result of the Lord's working in these men's lives. And so she saw where the tomb was. And presumably she saw the body took off the cross. And she followed it. And she knew that a tomb was where dead people were put. And she saw Joseph and Nicodemus working and caring and preparing the body for the tomb. There was the myrrh that was rubbed in. There was that fresh linen cloth that was wrapped around them. They, they, they carefully 
prepared the body, the dead body of Christ for the tomb. And she knew that was the right thing to do with a dead body. And she saw the great stone that was rolled over the entrance. And she knew that wasn't to keep the dead in because they don't move. It was to keep the body safe because it couldn't look after itself because it was lifeless. And whilst all this was happening, the darkness that fell of the day was being eclipsed and the darkness of the evening was rolling in. And I can only imagine what the darkness was around her. The reality of Jesus' death must have sunk in. I don't know if you've been to a graveside when someone is laid to rest, their body's laid to rest, and you see that coffin fall into the ground. And it's a heart-wrenching moment because it just quantifies in your mind that death is happening. And that's everything that the tomb resembled to her. Whilst the body was hanging on the cross, she possibly thought this was just a bad dream. Something could happen. But then the full stop was put at the end of it when Christ's body was put into that tomb. She probably somehow managed to get back to where she was staying. And she probably still wonders to this day, how did I get back there? In that mess of her mind I I can't imagine she had a good night's sleep I can't imagine what she was seeing in flashbacks in her mind going back to that crucifixion and the sounds and the cries and that Sabbath must have dragged by I can't imagine her eating. I I can't imagine her mind fixing on anything. Hurt, grief, tears, memories. The whole of her world is turned upside down. And in many ways you could say to her it must have felt like she was walking around in her own personal hell. And yet, and yet she still wanted to honour Jesus and show her respects by anointing his dead body. And the Sabbath went through and preparation was made and before it got light on the first day of the week Sunday she's off to see the tomb. And so we've seen that she saw Jesus die, and we've seen that she saw Jesus laid in the tomb, and thirdly we see that she saw the empty tomb. She's on the way to the tomb, she's with the other Mary, and and they're, they're discussing amongst themselves, and their concern is there is a guard, there is a seal on the tomb, there is this great stone, how are we going to get on in there? And on the way there was an earthquake, and this earthquake was not Mother Nature. 
It was an angel of the Lord. He descended from heaven and he'd roll back the stone. And as if he had the audacity and the coolness just to sit on the stone. Can you imagine what that was saying? The stone was meant to keep the body safe. And the one who moved it sat on top of the stone like a conqueror. And, and the guard of soldiers and the seal and the, and the great stone is gone. Everything that Mary was concerned about, everything that she was worried about on the way was removed. And, and she was going there to anoint the body and, and she wanted to, to get in there. But in, 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 in the light of that dawning morning, the surprises were still coming. And as the passage tells us, the the guards trembled and became like dead men. These are soldiers, they're hardened men, and the angel is there, and they tremble and they become like dead men. They're passed out. And that same angel looks on these women and says, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And the guards were afraid. And, and they were there looking on in shock. And, and, and he says, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. I know you seek Jesus who was killed. I know you seek Jesus who was executed and murdered. He is not here for he is risen. Can you imagine what was going through her mind? She knew the crucifixion. She'd seen the crucifixion. She'd seen his body put into that tomb. And the angel is saying, he's not here. And before she can ask the question why, he says, for he has risen. Friends, this is, this is the message of Easter. The message of Easter screams out to the world, do not be afraid. Jesus was killed. He was crucified for sure. But he's not in the tomb. The tomb is for the dead. And Jesus is not dead. He is risen. And Mary was told to, to look and see where Jesus lay. And he's not there. The tomb was empty. Well, the parallel passage tells us that the, the grave clothes were neatly folded up. I don't know who had the presence of the mind to do that, but it's a wonderful thought, isn't it? There's Jesus, and he's resurrected, and someone thinks, I'll just fold the bedclothes. Don't need them. They're finished with. The dead need those. Christ didn't need them. He is alive. He is risen. He is no longer dead. And we're told from this passage in Matthew that she was filled with fear and great joy. The two things together were colliding in her mind. It was all too much for her. There was fear, fear of this angel, fear of what had gone on. And then there was great joy because Jesus was alive. But this was he. There was fear that he may not be because, well, this, this person, angel, yes, this angel told me that he's not here, he's risen, but I know he's not here, but what... And her mind must have been all over the place. Great joy and fear, too good to believe. And she moves on from seeing the empty tomb to fourthly, she sees the risen Saviour. 
We've read this account from Matthew, but I want to just go to John because John gives us a little bit more detail on what happens with Mary Magdalene at this time. And having seen the empty tomb in, in, the, in, the, in John's account of this, he says there were two angels sitting where Jesus was in the tomb. And, and Mary's overcome with emotion. And, and yes, there is joy. And yes, there is fear. But she is, she's crying. And, and she wants to know where the body is. And, and, and she's coming out. And, and the, the sun's coming up. And it's becoming the new day. And, and she sees someone. And as the passage says, she turned round and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. She turned round and she saw a man there, and she didn't know who it was. And, and this man said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And Mary, in all that's gone on in her mind, in her life for those last few days, emotionally drained, doesn't see it to be Jesus, and she thinks he's the gardener. And she says to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. I mean, there's great faith in that statement, I will take him away. How could she do that? But she wasn't thinking, was she? And, 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 and can you imagine Jesus there? When he realizes that Mary doesn't recognize him, and yet tenderly, Jesus just says to her, Mary, calls out her name, and she turned to him and said in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Everything has changed in her life. Everything has changed. This roller coaster of the last 72 hours is almost as if it hasn't happened. It's almost as if it doesn't matter because Jesus, her teacher, is there. Uh, and she, she's seen him. A few moments earlier, she saw the empty tomb and there was joy and hope and there was expectation and excitement and there was fear and there was joy mixed together. But now there is just joy. And there in that sunlight of the risen first Easter Sunday morning, in the light of it, she sees Jesus. And I think this whole picture language reminds us of that start of the Gospel of John. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome. And there is Mary, and she's basking not so much in the light of the resurrection morning and the risen sun shine. She's resurrected. She's there in the risen sunshine of the resurrected Christ. And she's seen. And, and how her emotions cope with that, I don't know. But they did. And I say it was almost as though it hadn't happened. It always as if it didn't matter, but it did. Because the consequences and, and the happenings of those last 72 hours were imperative for Mary's experience, and they are imperative for us. The first mention of Mary Magdalene in the Bible is in Luke 
and chapter 8 and verse 2. Early on in the Gospel, and it just simply reads like this, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Mary had been possessed with demons. Not, not just one demon, seven demons. A perfect imperfection, if you like, seven demons, the perfect number. And just what had that done in her life? What had caused that? What travail? What sin? What mess? And yet, they'd gone out from her. And why had they gone out from her? Well, we know from that passage and, and that, that context that the Lord Jesus Christ would have cast them out. Jesus, those years before, had cast out those demons. And so for all the people to be there, every part of the Easter story, to see his death, to see his burial in the tomb, to see the empty tomb, to see and to be the first to see the resurrected Christ of all these people who was a woman who had been demon-possessed. Can you imagine? Is that how you'd have scripted it? Is that how you'd have had it? I, I doubt it. And it brings us right back to that question that I had at the start. Why was Mary there? Why was Mary Magdalene this support act, this leading role throughout this whole thing? And, and there's three reasons that I want to bring to us this morning. And, and part of the answer is in the parable that Jesus told just before Mary is mentioned in that 8th chapter of Luke. You might just want to flick there. Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, in that verse 2, it, it lists and just talks about Mary. But what happened before is really interesting. You see, there was... Maybe in the Bible you have in front of you, we've got Church Bible at verse 26 of chapter 7. The, the title there is A Sinful Woman Forgiven. And, and, and Jesus is in this situation and he's gone into this house of, of a Pharisee and no one washed his feet, no one took care of him. And this lady came in with an alabaster basket of ointment and, and poured it over his feet and then with her tears wiped. His, his, his feet and, and, and wiped his hair and, and kissed and anointed them and they were upset with this and they were got really upset with what was going on and Jesus understood this and Jesus told a parable in verse 41 he said a certain money lender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii, the other 50 and when they could not pay he cancelled the debt of both so, so let's just turn that to dollars might help us a bit one owed 500, one owed 50. And when he could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. And then the question comes, which of them will love him more? And then he applied it to the situation. In verse 47, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Mary was there because she loves much. 
Mary was there because she had been forgiven much. Mary was there because she had been saved from seven demons and where else would she be? Jesus had changed her life. Jesus had saved her. Jesus had turned her life more upside down at that event than he did at his death and his crucifixion and his resurrection. Because the whole change had happened. Those demons were thrown out. He was her personal saviour from those demons. And those demons no longer possessed her. They no longer caused her problems. She was wiped clean and she's there because she loves him. Friends, what we have to remember, Jesus is there because he loves her more. Jesus loved this woman with an eternal love before time began. He loved her. He loved her when she was demon-possessed. He loved her when she was rebellious and full of sin. He loved her when he was dying on the cross for her sins. And she was there because she loved him and wanted to show that love and respect to him. And Jesus is there because God loves the world so much that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I don't know theologically the exact time this woman came of faith when she believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as her saviour, but I know that she did. And I know that the remarkable thing about it all is because Christ died on the cross for her sins. But she was there because she loves much. Friend, what does your love for Christ make you do? Do you love Christ enough to go to Calvary and watch him die? Because this is what the Easter story reminds us, and this is what we should be doing, friends. Our love for Christ should bring us back to Calvary daily. Our love for Christ should bring us back to seeing him crucified for our sins. And if we did that, we would hate sin all the more. And temptation would lose its strength upon us. And the power of grace and the gospel would be within us. Friends, do you love Christ enough to go back to Calvary? We love Easter Sunday. And praise God for the resurrection. But friends, we need to go back to Calvary. And if you don't know Jesus is your saviour, you need to go to Calvary because you need to realise that what was going on there was God's wrath being poured out upon his son for the sins of his people. And if you are not trusting in Jesus Christ as your saviour, one day for the whole of eternity, that wrath will be poured out upon you and you will suffer it yourself. Is that what you want? Is a moment's fun and enjoyment here? What life is all about? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever. That's you.
if you haven't responded to the gospel. You can call upon the name of the Lord, and if you do, you shall be saved. But the second reason I want to bring to us today for why Mary is here is because she is the eyes and the ears of all of us. Thankfully, Instagram and social media weren't there. What we have is better. We have this eyewitness account which is saved for us in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And Mary Magdalene is there. And I think it's very special is Mary Magdalene. It's not some stuffy, highbrow academic. It's not some fussy historian. It's simply a woman who had an encounter with Jesus that changed her life. The love and the compassion of Jesus changed her life. And that's what we all need. And it was her that saw this. And in some ways, she saw it for us. And in some ways, we should be living Calvary and Gethsemane and and the, the resurrection through her eyes. Her eyes are our eyes. We can see what happened as a human because she did it for us. And I believe that it's just a normal lady who had a great need that saw it for us. Because we all here are normal people who have a great need. I doubt any of you are possessed by seven demons. But everyone here has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us needs that Saviour. Everyone needs to receive what she received in salvation and her sins forgiven. And and Mary there, thirdly, was because she gives us all hope. She gives us all hope today. Our hope is in Christ alone, but she gives us hope because she, along with the thief on the cross, remind us that no matter of our past we can be made right with God no matter your past you can be made right with God because Jesus died on the cross to pay the price of the sins of his people if you are sat here today thinking I am too bad this passage screams out to you and says you're too bad have you got seven demons I didn't think so I'm too bad should you be hanged for your crimes I didn't think so. But you don't know. Nothing is beyond the blood of Christ. And this passage screams out to us that there was Mary and she had been healed and and dispossessed and, and repossessed by God and given the Holy Spirit. And she came to know the Lord as her Savior. The price was paid. And Christ's resurrection that she saw is like the receipt or the guarantee. I'm sure you all love the international office. And I know that the international office and the universities like to possibly double charge you, shall we say. And you hang on to your receipts like nothing else, don't you? So that when you go back there and they say, look, no, it doesn't, it's been paid. Yes. The resurrection of Christ shows that the price has been paid. Anyone who is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for their sins is assured that it's enough. 
If Christ was still in that tomb, it didn't work. He's not. He sat at the right hand of God. There is a man in heaven, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. He sat on the right hand of God and he has proven that we can make it to heaven because he did. Our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. If you're trusting in Jesus, that is your situation. But I can imagine Mary before the resurrection, looking on Christ's dead body. And in all the pain and the agony, I can't help but think she possibly thought, does this mean the demons will come back? And and what happens if they do come back? Who will save me now? And Mary looks on the risen Christ and she says, I do not need to fear that again. He's alive. He's risen. Sin, death, the devil have been conquered. They have no more power over us. So as the words of that song says, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me the guilt within, upward I look. And see him there, who made an end of all my sin. That, friends, is a risen Saviour. And that's what he's done for all who are trusting in him as their Saviour. So that is three reasons why Mary was there. But the real question is this. Do you know the risen Saviour for yourself? Do you know the risen Saviour for yourself? And if you do, then take the rest of this day to delight and thank Him for what He's done for you. And if you don't, you are in the darkness. But there's no need to stay there. Come into the light. Repent. Believe. Call upon the name of the Lord. And you shall be saved. And if there's any of you here this morning and and you're wanting to take that step and and you're wanting to find out more or you want to just talk or pray about it, please catch up with myself or one of the mummies or there should be some little slips at the end. Just fill it in and put it in the box. And we would love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to point you to Christ. Should we pray?